Welcome back, everyone, to the latest episode of the Blues on Parade podcast, where all we do is talk Chelsea and talk shit. Well, I guess we're going to talk shit about Chelsea this week, because uh, that's how we played. And uh, this week, it is just me and Sam. Uh, Andres, our beloved co-host, is still on his honeymoon. I think today's the last day, so you will get a hungover, Andres, uh, next pod. That is promised. But Sam, I guess I'll start with you, man. 3-0, but besides that, <laughs> how are you feeling? Well, Zach, um, I, turns out after the uh, I got back from the wedding, I got COVID. I was the only person in the group to get COVID, so I don't know what that means. It's just my luck. So I've been you out. Were, you were also the mm-hmm. most social out of all of us. You were talking to the most uh, older women, and you also had yeah, the most to drink. Make, and I was making out with the old, most older women as well. So that <laughs> that could be another explanation. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm okay. It was just not great to uh, feel like kind of sh- kind of feel like shit, and then have this match on top of it. Did not make me feel any better. Absolute shambolic performance after, you know, a really promising match against against Tottenham that left us, you know, wanting a lot more as a re- as far as a result goes. But the performance was great, and then, you know, it, it's funny because Tuchel got his his ban reversed, right or I don't know. I know I just saw something new about the FA uh, saying that they didn't like what he said, um, like today. But um, he should have just taken them one match ban. Would have saved them some embarrassment. Um, not only getting uh, outclassed and outmanaged by an American manager, but also um, some embarrassment for what he like what he said after the match as well yeah it was uh just absolutely embarrassing it's disappointing all the way around i mean should we even go through the team selection is it uh is it necessary (laughs) yeah yeah because i mean i want to know your first impression when you saw it i mean i i for one when i saw it was kind of i mean i was excited to see gallagher in there so we had mendy Mm -hmm. and goal Back three of Koulibaly, Thiago Silva, and Reese James, and then uh, Kukurea, Ruben Loftus Cheek as our wing backs, and our midfielders were Jorginho and Gallagher, um, and a front three of Raheem Sterling, Mason Mount, Kai Havertz. Um, wasn't too sure, honestly, what the formation was, whether it was a three-four-three or whether it was a three-five-two. I know it changed completely after those subs. Uh, yeah. in like the 65th minute but um i i mean i was excited i was excited to finally see what gallagher would look like just as far as our bet goes zach so far mm-hmm. it looks like i'm up right now um yeah. because he didn't he didn't really have the best performance but other than that what did what was your first impression on the team selection 
I mean, I, I guess I wasn't surprised. It, hindsight's twenty twenty, of course, but when it first came out, I thought to myself, okay, it makes sense that he puts out a relatively similar team to the one that played against Spurs because we were brilliant against Spurs. So play the guys that are in form. It makes sense. Gallagher in for Conte. Uh, we didn't really have any other options, I guess, besides RLC. I know Ampadu was on the bench. It surprised a lot of people. But I think Gallagher, the logic there was he's going to do the most running, and that would sort of replicate Conte's role. Not obviously not to the T or even relatively close, but he has that energy, that that battery, I guess. Besides that, it was a, a fairly poor performance from him. But what really got me some is the fact that RLC is starting at wingback, and I know he played well against Spurs, and I was the first one to put my hand up and say that he was brilliant against them and that I don't mind him if we don't pull the trigger on a backup uh, wing back. I don't mind him playing there from time to time. But he started two games in a row. We've only played three. So it. <laughs> my thing is, why is Reese still playing in the back three um, when we have guys like Trevor Chalaba on the bench? Now, like I get it. Leeds has pace, you know, with Rodrigo. And I think they had, I think they had James playing up top. And mm. sure, they both have pace, but... Trevor Chalaba has pace as well. And I also don't get, you know, with Reese not being out on that right-hand side, it completely negates our attack on the right-hand side. And RLC is good at times, but he's also a bonehead at times when it comes to making a decision that a wingback or a winger would make. And Reese James is brilliant at that. The one-touch passing, the early crosses, the one-time finishing, which RLC missed a golden chance. He literally got himself in the same position Reese James scored against Spurs in and chose to take an extra touch. So there's a lot of there's a lot of pieces that just kind of don't make sense now that we look at the lineup after the game. Another one is Kai Havertz. He had to start, so I wasn't, you know, planning on him being benched when I found out Brojo was injured. Kai's Kai's obviously the guy that's gonna step in because Tuchel just doesn't trust Pulisic or Ziyech, so at face value, Sam, I liked it, but um, now looking back, I don't ever want to see this lineup again. I mean, what about it don't you want to see? I think, I think Jorginho and Connor Gallagher playing in a pivot has disaster written all over it, and I, and I think before the game, that was something that I was concerned about, is you're, you're baptizing Connor Gallagher with fire by, one, starting him away against Leeds, and two, putting him next to Jorginho, who's a fucking traffic cone defensively. If you're going to play Jorginho on a double pivot, there's only two players that it works with, and it's Kovacic and Conte, and both of those guys are injured. And the only reason why it works with both of those players is because they have the ability to progress the ball by dribbling, passing, and they're also masters of the counterpress. Connor Gallagher isn't. He's not a defensive-minded player. He doesn't have the ability to, to... play as a six like Kova or Conte do. Kova and Conte are between a six and an eight, and Connor Gallagher is between an eight and a ten. So the actual player profile just didn't make sense sitting next to a guy like Jorginho. And when well, you look at it... What is he supposed it, to do with the injuries? I'll give you the perfect example. I looked at Leeds' team, and actually I'm going to shout out Bobby, our good friend Bobby, who sometimes guests on the pod here. Shout out to you, Bobby. But you pointed this out in the Discord earlier, and it made sense. Leeds sets up their midfield with a double pivot. They have Tyler Adams, who's terrible at passing short distances. Anybody that's American and watched the national team knows that. 
but he is basically the poor man's N'Golo Kante in terms of the defensive work he does and the tackles he puts uh-huh. in. Yeah. So you're taking his strengths and maximizing those by putting him next to a guy like Mark Roca, who they just purchased, who's kind of stationary, but he's an incredible passer, and his range is brilliant. So you look at the complement of both of those playing styles, it works. And it's similar to the way that Conte and Jorginho work when they play together, too. You have one that's a brilliant passer and is more stationary, and the other one is winning the ball and feeding it to the stationary guy so we can continue play. And Leeds did that brilliantly. By starting Gallagher and Jorginho, you don't give the team the opportunity to do that whatsoever. It's high press or die. Because Gallagher's not the type of player that can sit in and hold his shape. And if Gallagher steps out to go press, Jorginho's basically stuck alone. And I cannot see how many different clips there were of Jorginho getting spun time and time and time again. And, and, and it's not just that. It's that I understand Jorginho is the only senior midfielder that was healthy going into this game. But stylistically, and this is kind of crazy, doesn't it make sense to play a guy like Ampadu and copy exactly what Leeds did with their double pivot? You have one midfield destroyer. Keep it simple, sideways passing, one and two touches. And then you complement him with a guy like Jorginho, who's going to be sort of your metronome, your captain. Um, you know, the guy that's going to kind of glue everything together. Jorginho never had the opportunity to do that because of Connor Gallagher. And on the flip side, to be fair to Connor Gallagher, he never had the opportunity to be himself either because there was nobody defending next to him or behind them. And I'm talking about Kalidou Koulibaly. So... It's kind of all over the place. And, and you also have to take into consideration that RLC is playing on the right-hand side as a wing-back. He's not known for, you know, shuttling himself up and down the pitch time and time again. He's not going to sprint 100 times in a match for you like a wing-back would. So that's another factor that you kind of have to throw into it as well. And it only points to one thing. Why did Tuchel not think about that? And that's my main concern here. So it kind of ties in with everything you were saying about his post-match press conference, but I'll let you get into that. I don't want to get too Yeah, I mean, yeah, before I, I mentioned that, you're saying your solution is to start Ampadu, a guy who was just playing with the reserves and or on the development team, and, uh, like, that's that's kind of unreasonable to kind of expect Tuchel to think that through i mean i think you're getting the benefit of hindsight and like if if what you're saying is true if conor gallagher can't play in a double pivot without a defensive mid why were we playing a double pivot to begin with that's the thing if we don't have the players to play it then don't play it yeah that's fair we have the personnel to play a three-man midfield I mean, you could have easily played Jorginho at the base, Gallagher and Mount playing a little bit more narrow as like double eights. You could have had Gallagher and RLC playing as double eights. I mean, the options were there to kind of switch up the formation to compensate for the injuries and to compensate for not having glue guys like Kovacic and Conte. You know, when your two best midfielders are out, something's got to give. You can't just keep expecting to play the same exact way. It just It doesn't work like that. And even if you watch a Tottenham match, one of the main reasons why we were so successful against Spurs is because Conte was on them like white on rice. <laughs> he was not giving them an inch to breathe. He was brilliant. Brilliant. Didn't put a foot wrong. And, mm-hmm. you know, you're asking Conor Gallagher to step in against a team that's, one, more energetic than Tottenham, and two, on the road. 
you're on the road too. So you also have to throw that into account as well, you know, the environment and the atmosphere. After Conor Gallagher made his first mistake, the match was pretty much as good as over for him. You know, he was never going to come good after that first mistake. You could just tell by his body language, he looked lost. And the same thing went for Jorginho. I think Jorginho had less than 30 passes on the night in 60 plus minutes. So, yeah, I, yeah. I don't know, man. That's on, I think that's on, on Gallagher too, though. Like, yeah, of course. I don't know. Like, like to completely check out after one mistake, which I kind of noticed too. I don't, that's I don't not, think he, that's. Sorry to cut you off again, man. Mm-hmm. I, I, I just don't think, I don't think he wasn't trying. I don't want it to sound like that's what I'm getting right. at. It was more no, like. No, he checked out though. Mental. Yeah, the decision the decision making was a little bit slow. I think the pace of the game was way too fast for him. And then also this I, we should be this should be mentioned. Leeds was actually targeting him in the press. They were throwing two guys at him every single time. Where I noticed when Jorginho got the ball, sometimes he would get a double two people pressing him from different angles, but most of the time it was just one person running at Jorginho. It seemed like Leeds knew that there wasn't really a long ball threat or a, a direct through ball threat with Jorginho, but they recognized that with Gallagher. Because the first pass Gallagher made in the game was to put Sterling in for that chance that he should have scored. And Gallagher could have, you know, easily had that assist. So the tune on him might have been a little bit different if Sterling puts that away. Who knows? And maybe he puts together a brilliant performance from there because he just has the confidence. But for me, it's like, I, I, I understand he played in the Premier League last year. I understand he has some level of experience now. I understand the potential and this and that and Tuchel loves him. But... It just seemed, it seemed like we were asking way too much of him before he even kicked the ball to play in a double pivot I think like that's, that. That's kind of ridiculous when, given the season he had last year, like yeah, but, but like he but, should but be again, ready for these types of types of situations. It's not a baptism by fire if he was playing in the against these same opponents last year. I agree not, to a certain extent, but you got to compare the playing styles. I mean, he is not used to playing in a team that plays with a high press because we do high press as a team defensively. But he's also not used to being high press like that. He was playing on a team with Palace that basically played on the counterattack. You sit in, you retain your shape, and then you live or die by those three or four chances you get on the whole game. Whereas with Chelsea, you're seeing the ball 65-70% of the time against most sides. Not this game, obviously. But against most sides, that's usually the case. And with Leeds, I don't think he's ever seen a press like that at Crystal Palace last season. I, 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 just, I just really don't, because they didn't possess the same threat that we do going forward, which is kind of funny to say, but it's true. I mean, we were just a better team than Palace. So yeah. it's not to say that I don't think he could come good. I, I know he's going to come good. I'll pu- I, I will still put my money down that Conor Gallagher is going to come good for Chelsea. I just think for his first start... It just would have been wiser of Tuchel to sort of take that into consideration and maybe protect him a little bit more by putting another body in the midfield. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's 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 just the whole the whole Chalaba situation is also weird because I mean, the the, the talks of him going out on loan with Conte out, like he could be the perfect defensive mid, but I don't know. Yeah. Um, He's another guy that could what? easily have stepped in and just stood there and break up Leeds' play. But but in my opinion, he should have been playing at right center back. <laughs> like, right. why was yeah, he yeah. not playing there? Yeah, at least there. So we can have Reese 
Yeah, and then we, and then that fixed another issue. You can have Reese play at right wing back, and then you can put mm-hmm. um, you can put RLC as a midfielder, who exactly. I think is better defense is better defensively than both Jorginho and Connor Gallagher. Um, and to be fair to RLC, he played next to Jorginho a bit last year, and it kind of mm-hmm. worked. So yeah. Um, so those aforementioned Thomas Tuchel quotes. Um, I got one here. He said, I think we lost it in the last 20 minutes. Instead of 2-0, it became an even match. And in that even match, we gave two goals away. And then the game is almost done because we give away the spirit and belief. Second half, we tried, but it's the same story. We had half chances, shots. We cannot score, and we concede from a half chance. Um, And I think I saw a quote where he was complaining about like the bus ride in, right? Like he was making yep. excuses. Um, and we got a question about that specifically. Like this, this is something that is kind of new from Tuchel. He's not one to be making excuses like that. We got a question from Ron, AKA bone daddy, cool. AKA bone daddy, deluxe, AKA bone daddy, Supreme. He said, Thomas Tuchel making excuse after excuse and not taking accountability here. He put that team out. He didn't make any necessary changes when he needed. He kept uh, Kulabale out there to get the red, which now for sure keeps Ofana out here another week, um, playing players out of position. Take accountability, my dude, and say I got it wrong and I need to do some adjustments and find everyone's better position. Don't blame it on a bus ride. <laughs> okay, there's the bus ride thing. Mm-hmm. Yes, we need <laughs> pieces, but we can do a lot better with what we have. Um yeah, he didn't I mean, say he didn't say anything wrong. He's spot on. I, the, yeah, you, I mean, you, you can't convince me that the players we have currently can't beat Leeds. Of course not. Yeah, it's it, it's it's this is something that we've been talking about since last season. Mm. It's Tuchel's, and I wouldn't say inability. But his his reluctance and his re- like refusal to change up the system, and yeah. I get it. Like, here, here's the thing, though. Like, if we're gonna play in a back three, we understand that our most important threat moving forward are gonna be our wing backs. If you're gonna play. Um, Reese James at right center back, and you're gonna have Ruben Loftus Cheek playing as one of the wing backs. That complete that completely like downgrades our number one attacking threat. Mm-hmm. Um, and if that's the case, then what's the point? What are we? Why are we playing in this system? Like it, it just doesn't make sense to me. Um, and and, and, and also, like this, and also, leads aren't good enough for our coach of Chelsea Football Club to change our starting 11 because of a player on Leeds. They didn't... Their first choice center forward wasn't even playing. He wasn't even available. And, and, that, and that's uh, Bamford. And that's the thing that gets well, me. Right. The guy's injured. I mean, he scored, he's the guy that scores goals for them usually. Rodrigo's just been on fire lately. And he's... I don't think Bamford gets back in when he's, when he's healthy. Rodrigo's been way too good. But, but it's beside the point. Like... Why are we changing the way we play for dirty leads? We should mm-hmm. only be changing the way we're playing 
if we're holding on to a lead against Real Madrid, Barcelona, Man City, Liverpool, Bayern, like the big boys. Leads are not the big right. boys. And, and, and I, that was one. And then the other, the other thing that Ron mentions that's, that, I mean, he's spot on with. Thomas Tuchel picks the players. Don't come out after the game and blame a, a shit performance on the bus ride. The bus ride doesn't impact how many shots on goal you have. It doesn't impact how many kilometers you ran. It doesn't impact how many chances you created. It doesn't impact your XG. It doesn't impact possession. It doesn't impact your passing accuracy. It doesn't impact goalkeeping errors. It doesn't impact midfield errors, giant gaps in the middle of the pitch. All of those things don't happen on a bus ride. They don't. Errors, maybe. (laughs) yeah, Yeah, maybe. Look, you can expect the players to maybe have like a little drop off. But to lose three nil and to put in a, it's just the eye tests on like you know all you have to do is watch a ten minute chunk of that game after the first fifteen minutes and it tells you the entire story. Leeds looked like Chelsea should have looked, and Chelsea looked like Leeds should have looked. It was it was just embarrassing all the way around. And I know there's a lot of questions. I've I've heard listened to a couple different podcasts and YouTube, you know, reviews and this and that about the team's mentality and a lot of mixed reactions, right? It's 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 very polarizing. It seems like half of the Chelsea contingent seems to be not too fussed about this and they think, you know, we still have time in a transfer window and we played well against Spurs last week. And then the other half thinks seems to think that the world is burning. And I just kind of find myself in the middle of that. But beside the point the talk is about the mentality of the team, right? And it seems like half the fans think the team has an issue and half, half don't. If you don't think this team doesn't have a mentality issue, you're delusional. Completely delusional. I think a lot of the players think the team is better than they actually are. I think, well, to be fair, pretty much our entire bench doesn't even want to be there or be at Chelsea. So that's another factor in it as well. You cannot tell me that that doesn't impact the mentality of the players. Hakim Ziyech flew to Ajax, or flew to, to Amsterdam, right after the match. Why was he subbed on? Why are we playing a player that doesn't even want to be there? Like, and it's another criticism that I think, I, mean, I think all three of us have made this point at some point. He needs to drop the hammer on some of these guys. You... If players aren't performing, you drop their ass. You throw a fucking academy kid out there if you have to. You know, if that's, if, if that's what it takes to get what you need out of certain players, then fucking do it. But then also, look at the team you have. Look at the personnel you have. And look at their individual skill sets. How can I maximize their skill sets? How can I maximize Reese James's skill set? By playing him at right center back? Or by playing him at right wing back where he can, you know, pop off 25-yard uh, long, uh, long shots and first-time crosses whipped into the near post on a fucking dime. It's, 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 it's almost common sense. All right, I don't have any healthy yeah. midfielders. Should I play Connor Gallagher and Jorginho together? Or should I throw three people in the midfield because we don't have a natural DM? Get some more energy out there. Oh, yeah, by the way, we're playing Leeds, the team that runs the fucking most in the Premier League. It's just... He seems to point every which way except himself. And I think 
he needs to seriously look himself in the mirror. And I still love the guy. I'm not down on him. But he really needs to look in the mirror and say, what can I do as a manager to get the best out of this team? Because a 3-4-3 isn't working. We're not scoring goals. We bought a shiny new winger who's only had six shots in three games. Oh my god, don't get me started on on that, Zach. Yeah, there's problems all over the pitch. So, how are you going to get the most out of Sterling? How are you going to get the most out of Mount? How are you going to get the most out of, you know, Reese James? Our important players, our key players, or at least our key attackers. You have to find a formation that works, and he just hasn't done that. And to be honest, Sam, this is the last thing I'm going to say about this. He sounds like fucking Jurgen Klopp, and that's the thing that gets me more than any point I mentioned before this. We make fun of Jurgen Klopp for stupid-ass excuses, and now Tommy Tuchel's starting to pull them out. So now I'm just starting to think that it's a German thing. Yeah, I mean, we got another question from Michael Conan at Michael T. Conan, kind of on par with what you're saying. He said, how can Tuchel bench and not trust players like Chalaba or Pulisic and continuously start and trust players like Mendy and Jorginho? Um, I mean, the Jorginho thing, I don't think he has warranted himself out of a spot. I mean, I think if you look back on his first two matches of the season... The only thing you can criticize him for was that boneheaded drag back attempt um, that led to the first Tottenham goal. Other than that, I thought he's played fine. Mendy, that's a very complicated situation because, I mean, mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago, Keppa was pretty much a surefire thing to go to Napoli. I haven't heard anything about that for a while. We don't have any other keepers. Um, but... I think the other players that you you mentioned before, um, it's kind of fair to, you know, question why they're still playing. Um, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I think I think we 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 should have that discussion on Mendy now. It's officially that time. That yeah. first that first mistake was unex- completely unexcusable. Completely unexcusable. And it's not the first time, it's not the second time, it's not the fifth time where Mendy has been absolutely shambolic with the ball at his feet. And it's, like, starting to become a repetitive issue. Mm-hmm. His shot stopping is is not at the level that it was last year. And no, I, I think that's unfair. I, I think it's not shots- the level, it's, it's, not, it's, not, it's not falling off completely. But it's not at the same level that it was last year. It's still, it's still, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is the other thing. People are kind of giving Tuchel a little bit of of flack, saying he needs to do something to put more confidence in Mendy. I mean, last year we we had it. We were we were praising Tuchel for his ability to keep Kepa's confidence up. When he was completely out of favor, he was just playing in the cup matches, and he still was playing with a lot of confidence. So I, I can't put any blame on Tuchel for that. Um, it it's all on Mendy's shoulders. Like the honeymoon season is is done. You know he came in, helped us win a Champions League trophy. He won Keeper of the Year, a European Keeper of the Year. And now there's a target on his back. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, like there, we, we did get a question from Ron saying, are we 
are we done making excuses for Kai and Mendy at this point and need to bench them? Mediocre performances for quite a while and living off their Champions League win and accolades have cost us more than more games than we have won. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yeah, that that that's almost exactly what I was saying. Like, it, it's a very complicated situation. I have you heard anything about the Napoli um, Kepa rumors? Is that is that still happening? No, I mean it's been pretty quiet since we mentioned it here on the pod. Like you said, I mean we we announced it on the pod as basically a done deal. All indications were pointing that you know Keppa was going to go there. Um, but it's a good thing that those rumors are over, right? Because like you said, it's officially time to start the Mendy conversation. Now, when it comes to shot stopping, I I disagree with you, Sam. I think I think he's gotten us out of trouble even this season. I mean, you look late in the game against Everton, he made some crucial saves. He made some great saves against Tottenham. Um, the one I could think of was off of one, I think it was off their first corner kick of the game where he tipped it over the bar. Um, but besides that, it's been shambolic, like you said. And I think the important thing to note is it's not just once or twice. He's made the mistakes multiple times, and it seems like it happens every match where he receives the ball at his feet and almost has too much time to think. And the other player is able to close him down, and he winds up either... If we're lucky, he winds up kicking it out of bounds around midfield, but if we're unlucky, we get what we saw last weekend, where, you know, it's basically a sure goal. Jared Bowen could attest to that. Kareem Benzema could attest to that. All of those guys have benefited off of Mendy mistakes, and that's just within the last calendar year. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's a concern. It's a definite concern. And then also, it... I don't agree with the whole Tommy tu- this is Tommy Tuchel's problem to fix. I think the only responsibility Thomas Tuchel has is to make the decision as to when it's time for Mendy to you know, maybe take a break from the starting 11 for a while or when it's time to bring Kepa in. Um but besides that, goalkeeper is a confidence position. You know, if you're not confident, you're not playing well. You know, it's different from playing center back or playing, you know, in the midfield or up top where you have supporting players that could kind of pick up the slack if you're having an off day or you're just not in good form. But as a goalkeeper, you don't necessarily have that option. And for Tuchel, I think the biggest responsibility on his shoulders now is deciding whether or not he wants to continue the way he's playing. Because if he does continue the way we're playing by building out of the back, Mendy's going to keep making mistakes. It's There's really no other argument around that and i can't be convinced otherwise because he hasn't gotten better you know and then he does have to make that decision if i'm gonna keep playing the same way if i bring keppa in yeah we're gonna lose a little bit in terms of shot stopping and just an overall presence because mendy is huge and to be fair mm-hmm. to mendy he's still a world-class shot stopper i'm not having any other argument so with keppa yeah there is a drop off in the shot stopping but it's not to say that keppa's a poor shot stopper at all his first year with sorry yeah. he was he was good he was good for us. He wasn't world-class. He didn't set the world alight. He wasn't in conversation for goal, best goalkeeper in Europe. He wasn't with us. Wait, he was with us with Sarri? Yep. No. He was with us with Sarri. It was his first year. Keppa? Oh, Keppa. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah, oh, Keppa. Yes, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. Yeah, sorry. No, 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 you're good. You're good. But, but yeah. you know, we, we, you just have to look back to his first season. You saw the potential Keppa had. He was definitely more than serviceable. I think just calling him serviceable is a disservice to him. But then you look at his oh, year God. last year, and we talked about it multiple times last season. He played well enough to earn more playing time. 
you know, he, you're, you're forgetting, you're forgetting like the Keppa era. It was, it was bad for a while, Zach. It was, he was not serviceable for a while. It was terrible, but at least he wasn't kicking the ball into his own net and he was letting the other team do it for him. I mean, he might as well have rolled the ball in the goal instead of giving it to Aronson the way he did. You know yeah, what I mean? I mean, like our defense overall has really slipped up as of late. I mean, well, there's I, I a saw the fit. stat. I saw there's I saw a... the stat. Hold on mm-hmm. one second. I saw the stat. This was Tuchel's 60th Premier League match as manager. In the first 30 matches, we conceded 17 goals, and in the last 30 matches, we've conceded double that amount, 34 goals. So. Our our de- our defense has completely slipped up in in his lo- in our last thirty matches. Um, that that that's an insane stat. I mean, and, and it's a cause for concern when you think about the players that we've had in the back. And you know, there's just, I think like I would say like Mendy was responsible for maybe seven or eight of those thirty four goals, like. That like precisely, but you know, and then also Tuchel's last thirteen Premier League matches, five wins, four draws, four losses, um, and we've we've gotten nineteen points out of those last thirteen Premier League matches. It's it hasn't been good recently. I can I know we're talking about about Mendy specifically, but I'm kind of also just going more broad in that it's. I don't know, like, I'm going back to Tuchel again, like, it's funny mm-hmm. because I think also, like, he's feeling the pressure, but him and the team are, like, a couple, like, last week there was talks about him extending his contract again, mm-hmm. um, and I think those those are going to stall a little bit, I don't know what's going to happen here, yeah. I think that, like, we can we can fairly complain about the players, but there's a lot, you know, I think the big theme of what we're talking about here today is Tuchel not making the right decisions in in benching players, not making the right decision in his selection. It, it's it's it all I think it all is starting to come back on him. And, you know, as a manager, that's what comes with the job when when there's you know, I don't know if you've seen you have you started the um, all or nothing, the Arsenal um doc like arteta you know that 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 beginning of last season for arsenal was absolutely terrible and the pressure that he had like he talked a little bit about it and you know like i could i think tuchel kind of is feeling the same pressure now i think he's definitely feeling the pressure but the thing is is he going to make the necessary changes i mean are we going to see the results on the pitch is he going to Tactically switch things up, formationally switch things up, personnel-wise switch things up. Yeah, we have seen no indication of it, and and that's the concern for me. I know in our Discord we always talk about playing four at the back, but when have we done it? The perfect opportunity to do it was against Leeds. We could have switched to four at the back without making a sub. You just let Reese James slide the right back, Cucurella to left back, and you're golden. You have ROCs yeah. that shift into the midfield, and you're running a three-man midfield with four at the back. Why couldn't we make that little, tiny adjustment just for five minutes or ten minutes just to see how leads will react? And if it doesn't work, then you change things up again. 
and then you change it up again. This is why you have training. <laughs> You're supposed to develop three, four, five different identities for different match situations and different looks that other teams give you. You don't just play one way and one way only, especially when that one way doesn't fucking score you goals. It, 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 and here, here's another thing. I think that, um, like, an, a big point, I, I think, in Tuchel maintaining this formation is to get you know the most out of those wing back positions. If you if you look at City, if you look at Liverpool, maybe not this year Liverpool, but mm-hmm. they play a back they play a back four and they get so much production out of their out of their fullbacks. Mm-hmm. They play a back four and their fullbacks are free to move forward and and make and, and, and make plays. So it's it's not like one or the other either we play in a back three and we we are able to utilize our fullbacks or we play in a back four and not utilize them. It, mm-hmm. It's possible. It's definitely possible. So yeah. I don't know. Um, we, we got another question. Let's, let's kind of move our discussion a little bit to Kai Havertz because this has just been um, more of the same. Ronnie Ashworth uh, at CFC Ronnie on Twitter said three games played in different results and performances. Would have loved to have seen that match with Costa up front. <laughs> I think we all would have. Will the real Chelsea please stand up? My question, Kai, that, that was his question. Discuss Kai, discuss Kai Havertz. Uh, and I, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to also just read off um, Kendall Higa's, uh, at KHiga19's question. He said, Havertz gets the eternal pass. But imagine the narrative if Pulisic, Cho, or Ziyech has these three games and misses the opportunities Kai or even Sterling had. I yeah. Mean, it, it, we, without repeating already what we've said in the last two episodes, like it's like I I just I just really think like I, I've officially come to the point where. Like I'm so open to buying a Bamiyang or Cristiano Ronaldo. Like <laughs> I, I, I honestly don't oh, care man. about the price. I don't care about the fear of the Deadwood that they would create. I would rather have Deadwood than watch another match with Kai Havertz as striker because he's not a striker, Zach. We don't have a striker. Yeah, Broja is is not ready. He's not, he can't. I mean, it's not even fit. Maybe I'm he hasn't wrong. Been fit maybe all preseason. Well, well, let's see. Like when he comes back, maybe I'm wrong, and maybe he is the guy we can play there every but match. But it's also but unfair that, to ask Broja to just be a 15, 20 goal a season striker in his first year. He should be coming off the bench every game and getting 10, 15 minute spells and babied. I'm just saying, know? if he is, if he is yeah. that kind of player, that'll be great. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to put my, my, my faith in that. Yeah, like we need a striker, Zach. Kai Havertz is just—he's not doing it, and his his demeanor, his body language, everything that we've discussed before—it's pissing me off. Like we had our we had our issues with with Timo Werner. We shipped him off. At least that guy was pressing and running all match. Like Kai Havertz doesn't even give you that. He gives us nothing. Absolutely nothing. Um, and and you you talk about the honeymoon with Mendy. The honeymoon with Kai is gone. It's done. It's been done. Um, 
the only memorable moment he's ever had in a Chelsea kit. Two memorable moments, to be fair to him. Scoring in a Champions League final, and then he scored the winning penalty against uh, Eintracht Frankfurt in the Europa League. Besides that, he's been terrible. He hasn't had a run of three, four, five games where things look promising, he looks good, no. The only other time I could remember where it looked semi-promising is when we were playing Kai instead of Lukaku. And that's not saying shit after what Lukaku gave us last year. So for me, the clock is ticking. If he doesn't produce this year, we got to move on. It's been four years now. Or what is it? Yeah, this is his fourth year. When are you going to start producing? When are you going to start showing us what you do for Germany? Or what you did for Bayer Leverkusen. It's it's really frustrating with him because we thought that he was going to sort of slot in as like a center forward, false nine, kind of here, there, and everywhere guy up top. But now he's not even playing up the middle. It seems like Tuchel is just doesn't trust him at all to play the nine. Now he's playing Sterling at the nine, and he's playing Kai off of Sterling. Kai doesn't have the quickness of pace to con- consistently beat you know fullbacks. His movement has been garbage. His energy low. I mean, everything you mentioned, Sam. I, I don't want to repeat everything you said, but I, I agree with all of the above. I just... He has to produce. And, and if he doesn't, I want him gone. I'll, I'll stick both feet in the sand here and say if he does not... If Kai Havertz does not produce this season for Chelsea Football Club, I want him sold. And production for me, he needs 10 Premier League goals minimum. It's your fourth year. You're an 80 million pound player. Show up. And then on the flip side to the to Kendall's question, as an American Chelsea fan, I will be the first to admit that I have Christian Pulisic bias. We, every American does. Why wouldn't we? He's our golden boy. He's the only American that was ever good enough to 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 play for Chelsea. But the thing with this is how come he hasn't gotten a run of 10 or 15 matches like Kai does starting? Consistently starting. In the same position too, right? Not wing back, not left wing back, not right wing one day, left wing the next, center forward the next. Oh, you're going to play the 10 off the bench today. No. I'm talking play him strictly at the wing position for 10 to 15 games, just like we did with Kai at center forward. Why does Pulisic not get... He gets. He has like 20 matches like that. Yeah, ever since Lukaku got frozen out last... Basically, since last January, he's been starting every single game up top for us, give or take. I think that's fair to say. But Pulisic doesn't get that kind of leash. And that that's fucking irritating because we see what he does for the national team. And we've even seen what he can do for Chelsea when he gets a run under Frank Lampard, the Man City, the, the Man City performance. Let's not forget that. There's memorable performances with him. And with Kai, there isn't. There's two moments. That's it. But... Why does he get different treatment than a guy like a Christian Pulisic? Or a guy... I know, I know Kendall Higa mentioned Ziyech. Ziyech is gone. No point talking about him. But what about Trevor Chalaba? Let's switch the roles a little bit. There's guys missing out on attack, and there's guys missing out on defense. What did Trevor Chalaba do to lose Tuchel's trust? In the same way as to what Pulisic did to lose Tuchel's trust. I know a lot of English Chelsea fans hate Pulisic, and they think he's, you know, Deadwood. And f- fair play. He hasn't been good enough for Chelsea when he's coming off the bench. But key word, coming off the bench. 
He hasn't gotten the same run that Kai Havertz did. Trevor Chalaba hasn't gotten a consistent run in the back three. Sam, can you even think of what Trevor Chalaba did wrong to sort of get frozen out the way he is? I mean, he was good for us. He was, he was our star defender in the beginning of last season. Are we forgetting that? And this guy wasn't even supposed to make the squad. But he stayed, he worked, he transformed his body. I mean, he did all, this, he did all these different things to make himself a better player. We don't see that with Kai Havertz. And other players that are putting in the work and trying to get better and at least putting in effort, they're not getting a chance. It's, it's baffling to me. And again, it all goes back to Tommy Tuchel. Yeah, I, I, I kind of want to say something quick on, on Raheem Sterling. Because mm-hmm. this is what I said when we signed him. I did not like the signing at all. And I think I was kind of peer pressured into liking it because people were raving it as a great signing and I didn't want to seem like, you know, like negative about it. But he, his reputation is a player who misses a lot of chances. Chelsea's reputation is a team that misses a lot of chances. Like, could we have made a worse possible signing? Yeah. Like, it, it was it was such a... Yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> we could have made a worse possible signing. Yes, that's true. But it was so bad as far as our need to bring in another player who provides the same kind of you know, like a flaw that the rest of our team has. And it's inability to finish. I mean, he had two chances that he could have put away. He still has yet to score a goal for us in three matches. And it's like, like it's tough to bench him, but I think that he's another player who I would not be upset if Tuchel benched for a couple matches. I disagree with, with, with your take on but, Sterling. Oh, hold on, hold on. Before, before you answer, I kind of want to read. We got a question from Andreas. Mm. Um, from, from, I was going to say from the grave, but he's, he's still alive. Um, <laughs> he said, who all should be benched after a mediocre start to the season? We already talked about Kai. We already talked about Mendy. I'm adding Sterling to that list, too. You're benching Mendy for sure? You're starting Keppa? Yeah. If we have Keppa still, yes. I'm starting Keppa. I think the example needs to be made with Mendy and Kai for sure. I completely disagree on the Sterling point. I'm going to defend him here. Um, 47.5 million for one of the best wingers in the Premier League is never bad business. That's number one. Number two, Sterling's playing the nine. and He's not a nine. He's a winger. He fell out at Man City because... Pep kept playing him at the false nine and it just wasn't coming off for him. Then he had a really poor run of form after that, which it's understandable when you're playing out of position for so long. Eventually he gets frozen out of the team. The third thing is the only... He played three matches for us. He's taken six shots in total, which is embarrassing if you're starting at the nine for anybody. I don't care if you're out of position or not. But in all fairness to him, this was the fr- the... What was it? The Gallagher pass to him in the opening minute was the first time all season I've seen somebody play him through. 
I haven't seen him get played through. Cucurella did it later on in the match where I think he tried to pass the ball. Um, I forget who he was trying to pass it to. It deflected, came right back to him, and then he one-timed it over the top to Sterling. That's the one Sterling scored, but it was offsides. That was the, that was the second time I saw someone play him through all in out of all three games so far. So in fairness to Sterling, out of position, right? Not getting played through. The team struggling to create, period. All the way across the board. The midfield was completely non-existent behind him. Now we're not defending. I really can't blame him because, you know, if you compare Sterling's performance to Kai, Sterling looks like a fucking Ballon d'Or winner. And in and, and, and bits and pieces against Spurs, he looked good. In the first 20 minutes of this match, he looked really dangerous. He was our most dangerous attacker on the day, which I know isn't saying much, but still. I think at the end of the season, you're going to eat your words on Sterling. I, th- I, think, I don't think you're going to fall in love with him, Sam. I'm not saying you're going to go buy his jersey. But I am saying that you're going to look at it at the end of the season and say, okay, with how much wing players are going for in today's market, $47 million for Sterling was good business. I'm waiting for him to will... prove me wrong, Zach. I'm, I'm Only time will tell. Because it, it hasn't happened yet. Hey, I'm, I'm just saying. I think I think I by what the you're end, saying too, yeah. like like about not playing him deep balls or like not playing him any balls through. Like I hate to say this, but I was watching the United Liverpool match, and as much as I hate Bruno Fernandez, he plays so many balls through. He mm-hmm. tries so hard to make ball. Like I I don't care if you get dispossessed. Five out of eight, or five out of six attempts. Like, if you think about it, in a whole in a whole soccer match, you have what fifty, sixty possessions on the ball, probably more than that. I'm I'm, I'm probably way off. If you're Bruno, yeah, you probably touch it sixty times. No, 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 I'm talking about the team in general. Talking about like when you get the ball and you 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 set up an attack and you attack towards the goal. That's you're probably having. 60 70 maybe even more possessions in in a, in a match and like i think tuchel is worried about you know turning the ball over dispossession whatsoever if you think about it technically every time you don't score a goal on an attack it's a dispossession it's a turnover yeah. on the ball mm-hmm. you score two two three mat three goals in a match is 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 like you know is a lot i think and it, like if if you're not making taking those risks and making those chances then i think you're wasting you're wasting like the possession of the ball like just yeah. passing it around trying to figure something out like doing mm-hmm. the safe thing it, the end result is is the same 99% of the time if you're going to mm-hmm. score one two goals a match like take more chances play more deep balls like that's that's what helps our play like that, that like that will help our front line get into position to score more. Mm-hmm. And I hate like giving Bruno credit, but he's not afraid of making four or five passes that get you know dispossessed that get get um, cut off by center back. He continues making those plays. And it's amazing what happens when you have willing runners and will and willing passers. And I think yeah, what, and it's mm-hmm, go yeah. Ahead. We we have either one or the other, but never both on the field at the same time, and that's the thing that pisses me off. A lot of our early success last season, and Andres, um, 
I'll give him credit for it because he was the one that harped on it the most. A lot of our success last season go and play it. And we were stretching defenses with Lukaku. We were stretching defenses with Kai. They were running the channels really well. And this is when Lukaku was actually playing for us. But we that's also when we looked our most dangerous. And then guess what happened? We start scoring goals. Our, our wingbacks start getting involved. They start scoring goals. Our front three is scoring goals. Our goals are coming from our back line to start last season even. It just gets the whole team up and going. And if you just don't, if you don't have that option or that look, it forces you to play one way. And the way we were playing in this game, and again, Sterling was at the nine, he was playing with his back to goal. A five foot five Raheem Sterling playing with his back to goal. That guy needs to be isolated on the wing in a 1v1. Is he five foot five? He's a, he, he looks like, I, I, I don't even think he's, he's five, seven. Like five seven. Yeah, he looks tiny. Maybe the big the the big ass oh. just makes him look shorter. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think, uh, yeah. I mean, like, I just totally went off topic with that. Mm-hmm. That was just something that I like just came into my mind while I was watching the United Liverpool match. Um, and I think kind of it to would wrap be nice up, to have that. Yeah, I think kind of to wrap up um, the match. Recap, I think, like, if you look across the Premier League, there's really only two teams that are performing very well, or maybe three teams. It's Arsenal, who look, like, so good. Their attack looks amazing. It's City. Newcastle looks good. Leeds Leeds also looks good. Every other team, Spurs look good. I mean... Yeah, but every other team, like Liverpool is in shambles right now. Um, United is in shambles right now. Um, I mean, like... One win doesn't turn it around for United. Yeah. Yeah, like, but it's, it's still a lot. There's still a long season to go. I think mm-hmm. there's a lot of teams that are underperforming. There's a lot of teams that are overperforming compared to where they'll finish this season. And I think that we're going to be one of the teams that is going to be performing better later than what we are right now. Um, so I have a little bit of hope, but I think if you just listen to what we just said in the past, uh, how long have we been recording? Um, however long it's been, <laughs> it's... Uh, you would think that we have no hope, but um, I think I think we still have a chance. Oh, it's been like almost an hour. Um, so let's. I'm not let's, doom, uh, move I'm not on. doom and gloom. Are are, are you? Uh, just one quick question before we move on. Are you down on the side? Do you think? Well, yeah, the world, the world is ending what, like I just, everyone else. What I just, I mean, what I just said, like, I think that we will improve, but it it's gonna take, like. Tuchel to make the decisions that we want them want him to make, and it's going to take players to adapt and change their play play style, and play harder, and improve their play overall. Yeah, but we have the talent. We still have a week left in the transfer window to add a couple more pieces. But um, I mean, with that being said, let's move on into the transfer window. Um. No real new rumors. Um, there was Raphael Leal 
rumor that I saw today, um, which is enticing. Pound release clause. But again, it's another <laughs> it's another winger that we're buying to play striker. So it's it's yeah. It's prof- again, it's the profile of player that we're targeting. It, just, it it doesn't make sense. We need a nine. We need a DM, and we need a right back. We don't need another winger. Well, well talking about um, our needs, um, we got one another question from Michael Conan. He said. Fofana or a new midfielder, assuming they're mutually exclusive, which one would you rather target? Uh, I already know we're getting Fofana, so I just kind of want to say Fofana. I don't know. Uh, Or Frankie de Jong. I I mean, the, the Fofana thing is, like, every single day we hear out of Leicester that he's not available. But we also hear, or we also see how Fofana is, is is dying to come to Chelsea. He sat out last match. Um, well, Brendan Rodgers so, said, I think it was earlier today, Brendan Rodgers said that Leicester will always sell if the right offer comes in, which is basically after this weekend, we'll start talking numbers. But if, but if it's you making the decision, like, I'll I think stick to my guns here. Is, the Frank midfield. Frankie De Jong is the that's it's probably Frankie De Jong would be like the midfielder, right? I, I I've been the biggest advocate for a Declan Rice profile midfielder oh, right. from the beginning of the season. So I mean, I'll stick to my guns and say that I still think we need a DM. If it's Frankie, great. I've also said that if a guy like him becomes available, you go all out for him because he's just that good. So I would I, midfielder. We need a midfielder, a DM. Someone that somebody that can play either the pivot or by themselves. I still think we need that center back, that third center back, if we're going to continue playing in the back three. I mean, even switching over to back four, I think we need another center back. Um, mm-hmm. Like Tiago can't play every match. We we didn't even talk about Koulibaly. I never thought that he would have like. Like his, I would describe his performance as shambolic as well. I didn't think that he'd have a single match where I would say something like that. But yeah. he's shown that those matches are possible. They, they can't happen. Dave is just... Like, I love him, but he's, he, he will never be our, you know, uh, routine, everyday center back ever again. He'll be, mm-hmm. he'll be played every once in a while. But, and we kept him out of desperation. So I'm going to say Fafana as my choice. Like, I think that's a more important position. Like, and the, and, and the fucked up thing is, like, either way, whether we go center back or defensive mid, like, we have Chalaba who can fill in for the other position. And he might be gone on loan. I would. I, I, I think that's a really stupid decision. Like, I, I would hate to loan him out, but I don't know. Just uh, to loan out Chalaba. It doesn't make any sense. I don't get it's it like, either. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Like, he can get, he can't, there's so much opportunity for him to get playing time here. There is he a lot of across, opportunity. He could play across the back three. He could play in the midfield. He could fill in our yeah. right back late in games if he need to. I mean, does 
I don't know. I don't get it. We got another question. This one is from at Black Emoji. He says, apart from breaking the bank on more signings, how do we improve on this shambles? <laughs> I mean, I guess we we did kind of talk about it, but I think more signings are kind of are, are kind of crucial right now, right? A right back, central defensive minded midfielder. And a goal goal scoring center forward. Those are the only three positions I think we need for this season. Obviously, you know, I could go ahead and pick apart the whole team, but right now the immediate need is those three guys. Like, if we can get another natural right back, then maybe we do start playing four at the back because we could start rotating Reese. You know, we get another DM, it it changes the entire way we could play center forward. If we get a center forward, then Tuchel could maybe Tuchel could stick to his three four three because we won't be talking about how we can't score anymore. We'll get our goal or two and walk away with those victories again. I don't know. I just think I, I think right back DM center forward goal scoring center forward. Yeah, I mean that doesn't really answer his question of apart from breaking the bank on new signings. I mean, we I think what you're saying is we don't need to break the bank on these new signings like. We we can buy like a serviceable right back. Doesn't need to be breaking the bank. Like bring in another midfield. Yeah, my bad. No, but uh, like I think what you're saying is like we don't need to break the bank. We need more rotation players in those positions. Yeah, I just but, don't understand why we're targeting all high profile signings when we can, you know it seems like we're just targeting the players that are available and not necessarily targeting players that fill the actual need. Mm-hmm. And talking about the goal scorer, um, we got a question from at HCDPT, Human Capital Department, the Department of Human Capital. Um, still don't know who you are, what your the purpose of your account is, but I'm glad you're here. Um, he said, very disappointing. <laughs> it's so funny, sorry, because every time he writes a question, we always say that like please give us more context on what your account (laughs) like what the purpose of your account is and he's never responded he's never so i'm just going to continue doing it what are you um he said very disappointing i thought we'd come back in the second half but no chance my question for the pod is how badly do we need to sign a number nine striker before the window closes zach i mean I know Aubameyang is a head case. Like, Arsenal pretty much paid to have him leave last year. He has an Arsenal tattoo. Does he? Yeah. That's funny. Um, That's fine. He he can cover it up. Um, And, like, the Cristiano stuff, like... Not happening. Cristiano to Chelsea's not happening. Manu will never Why sell that him not to Chelsea. Happen? I'll never sell him to Chelsea. I mean, if no one else will buy him. He'll he'll go outside of England or he'll he'll stay at Manu and just pout all year. I don't think he's coming to Chelsea. But the okay, Aubameyang, that's a fair point. The Aubameyang rumor, I I'm 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 conflicted. If it was a one or two year deal, I pull the trigger on it right away. But because because as much as I don't like his character the guy does score goals. 
And I know he didn't do it towards the end at Arsenal, but last year at Barca, they really didn't need to go out and buy Lewandowski. He was doing just fine as their center forward and scoring plenty of goals for them. So if it's a one or two year deal, great. But the fact that we're going to get him on a three or four is going to make it nearly impossible to offload him. I cannot, especially if he if he comes to Chelsea and doesn't perform on the field or becomes an eventual head case, then teams are definitely not going to want a 35-year-old. I just have a really bad feeling that we go after a guy like Aubameyang, we overpay for him, he produces for half a season or a one season max, and then we wind up selling him to an MLS team towards the end of his contract for next to nothing. I just have a really bad feeling that something like, like that's yeah. going to happen. Well, <clears throat> my question is, why do you care whether we lose the money on it I don't care. Like, we, I, I think, like, the Deadwood issue, like, I understand, like, we just offloaded a bunch of players who we consider Deadwood, and mm-hmm. right now we are desperate for so many positions, and I think that it's because it's a cycle. Like, you get, you acquire the Deadwood, it's harder to buy new players, you sell them off, and then now you're in a rebuild. Um, so it doesn't make a lot of sense to buy more dead wood right now once we just accomplished like offloading so many this this uh this summer but i think it's it's kind of like abomyang has no reason to accept a smaller contract because he could easily just stay at barca they'll <laughs> I mean, who knows what's going to happen to them, whether they'll be able to fill, fulfill paying their wages. But, um, you know, stay at Barca and get marginal playing time and still get paid the how, you know, what is he making, like 300000 a week plus? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, Casemiro right now, he, he, he's getting 450 k a week. I'd leave that's, too. That's crazy. Yeah. Huh? I said I'd leave Real too for four fifty a week. Yeah, Fuck. but like we might we might be just as desperate, honestly, Zach. We are. I'm not gonna We're uh, like I wouldn't like I would never pay like be okay paying Aubameyang that amount, but like three hundred k a week, which is like okay. I mean, he, Zach, if we get him, he's not gonna take a pay cut. So yeah, that's that's what we're gonna have to pay him. Again, that's why I don't want a three or four year contract. Three hundred thousand a week is a lot of money to just sit there. It's, yeah, different, has... it's different than having like I'll play devil's advocate. It's different than having like a Marcus Alonso Deadwood that's only on like one twenty or one yeah. you know, something something in the hundreds. It's easy it's an easier pill to swallow. Every two weeks Alonzo's on your books is one week worth of Aubameyang. So every year that he sits on your roster that when he doesn't play, it's just gonna it's a lot of fucking money, man. It is a lot yeah, of cash. It, he has all the leverage, though. Like, yeah, he really no, he does, does have all the leverage. Like, like he knows how desperate we are and, and mm-hmm. needing a nine. We need a goal scorer. He has no reason to leave. Like, like what? Like, you know, like you think about like um, um, Timo Werner, we, who we wanted to get off our books. He has a reason to wanting to leave. He needs playing time because he needs to impress um, the German national um, side. Yeah. And, like, like what is... Aubameyang is 
Gabon's number one player. I mean, they're not even the World Cup, but still, like, he has nothing to prove. He has nothing he needs to do. Like, it, it's just a matter of, like, him getting his money. So, all right. So, more devil's advocate. Where's the incentive besides the money? Well, no, he's, not winning a, he's not winning a Premier League title this year. Yeah, I mean, but exactly. Like, that's he, it's, it's all the money. It, it's all about money at this point. And I don't want a guy like then I don't want a guy like that. Then we don't have a goal scorer. Yeah, fair, fair. But again, That's what I'm saying like we 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 have no we, choice. Why are we why are we only going after one center forward? Like we we should be linked with four or five different names. We should be talking to three or four different. We should be talking to multiple clubs. We should have plan A, B, and C. It just seems Anthony like Anthony Gordon, the bombing or die, and I. Again, that's another guy. I I think he's. I think if we wind up getting him, he's gonna play somewhere in that front three. But he's more of a midfield type player, and he's also been used as a wing back. And I've, you know, apparently he's a winger. I think that's something we would be looking into is playing him as a wing back. What the fuck kind of profile player is that? He's not a defender. <laughs> like if you're buying him to play him exclusively at wing back. Then you're stuck to the three at the back. Then we're really fucked. You know, it's it's so I wild, hate man. Barcelona. I hate Barcelona so much, man. Me too. They really f- fucked us this summer. <laughs> they really fucked us good. Yeah. Uh, I don't like. There were so many questions this episode that I didn't know how to answer. After like, seeing how good Rafinha has been for them and to start the season or to like the preseason and to start the season, I'm like, man, I would have liked that. That would have been nice. There's this guy on on TikTok. What's his name? It's uh, what's his name? Uh, it's what's his name? Young something. Hold on, it's Young Kippa, Young Doc Kippa. Literally, all of his videos is him just screaming, like about how barcelona ruined us and it's like it's me that that's how i feel too um but anyway i think we should move on to the leicester preview Mm -hmm. um right now so it's the match will be where where's the match home or away do you know it's It's gonna be at the bridge it's gonna be at the bridge um right now leicester is winless they're um they've they've drew they drew against Brentford and they lost uh to Arsenal and they lost to Southampton last week. Um for, like I mentioned earlier, Fofana was benched uh, last week. Um and I mean I think that's due to the the transfer rumors. Um right now they're sitting nineteenth in the table, but somehow they have two more goals on the season than us. Um well, really, one of those goals is an own goal, so I'll, I'll, I'll say they have one more goal than us. Um, three to five, or if you don't count the own goal, three to four. So yeah. they haven't been... They haven't looked good. Neither have we. So, with all that being said, prediction uh, as far as the lineup goes, what, what do you think we'll see? Oh, God, who the fuck knows? Who's- yeah, I I'll mean, tell you the lineup. I I'll tell you the lineup I want to see. I was gonna say, like, ideal starting lineup is different than what Tuchel's probably gonna do. 
I think I don't think Tuchel drops Mendy. I think he starts Mendy. Um, uh-huh. we're gonna play three at the back because we don't know how to play. We don't know anything else. <laughs> we're completely incapable of playing any other style of football but three four three. Um, so it'll be Thiago Silva, Kukurea at left center back. Please, God. Give me Trevor Chalaba at right center back. Um, but it'll probably wind up being Dave. Reese James at wing back. Chilwell at wing back. Jorginho. Gonna go Jorginho RLC. Kai Sterling Mount. And that's not the lineup I want to see, just the, for the record. That's the lineup that, I, that I'm predicting. All right, then what, what's your ideal starting lineup? I drop Mendy. I put in Keppa. Okay. Um, I go. I go four at the back. I play four three three. I go. Well, your center backs, Tiago and Kulabal. He's out. Yeah. We so can't Thiago. play back four. I would go. Yeah. I mean, Trevor hasn't played, so it'd be kind of unfair to do that. Yeah. I mean, now that with Kulabali out, I'd probably still wind up starting with a three at the back, just because we have to. Um. Without Koulibaly. So you go Tiago, Trevor on the right, Kukurea on the left, Reese at right wing back, Jilwa at left wing back. Nice. Um, I like that. I do I like a three man midfield. I do a three man midfield. I drop one of our attackers. I do Jorginho at the base, Gallagher, Mount. Um, and then up top, I go Sterling and Pulisic. I fucking drop Kai Havertz. I'm I'm sorry. I'm just I'm just done with it. If Broja's healthy, I'll I'll start Broja over Pulisic just because he's a nine. He's an actual center forward, and he'll make the right movements that a center forward will. And I think Sterling will just combine better with a natural center forward. So, yeah, I'll drop Kai Havertz. I drop Mendy. Um, even though I'm contradicting everything I said earlier, I we have to play three at the back because. You know, Aspie's not playing center back in a back four. Kukurea's not playing center back in a back four. Trevor Chalaba's frozen out completely. One foot out the door, apparently. So, what about you? Um, I really liked your your ideal starting lineup. And I think a lot of it obviously hinges on Broja's health as far as, like, who I'm going to pick up front. But, like... We don't have a striker. Like, I don't know what how what formation we can play without a striker. I don't want to play Kai Havertz striker anymore. So we might have to play front two with Raheem Sterling and one of Pulisic or Mason Mount playing up top two. Um, but it's also worth noting, just another side note, um, Leicester does have a midweek match um, in the EFL Cup against Stockport. But, I mean, realistically, they're probably going to play almost all youth academy players. Um, I mean, we'll pro- they'll probably start a couple first-team players, but, um, you know, that, that might be another advantage for us as far as, like, our predictions go. Um, but mm-hmm. I'm just going to get into it. I think we we either draw... 1-1 or we win 2-1. Like I'm going to say it's kind of hard to see see us having a clean sheet with Koulibaly out and yeah. with with Mendy on on 
on his form. I'm going to say 1-0. I won't be surprised if we don't get a clean sheet, but I think it's going to be just one of those games where we only win because Leicester's just that bad this year. They're just not up to it. So I think we'll nick yeah. a lucky, lucky set-piece goal or who knows, maybe we get a Jorginho penalty. We haven't seen that in a while. Um, two matches? Yeah, it's been too long. Two matches too long. Um, so yeah, I'll go 1-0 Chelsea. I think it's going to be boring as fuck. I'm not expecting us to play brilliant football. I'm not expecting us to be zipping around the pitch and just absolutely destroying them. If we do, then I'll be the first person to admit that I was wrong. I hope we do that, but I just don't see it happening, man. I I really don't. I don't think we have enough teeth to score more than one goal in the Premier League right now. It's a joke. Okay, unfortunate. Yeah. Well, anyways... um, it's also unfortunate if you're not following us on Twitter. Make sure you are. Um, so, uh, yeah. Other than that, we what do is record it, What is it? At, uh, at on Parade Pod? Yeah. Um, so make sure you're following us on Twitter. We do drop an episode after every single match of the season. Um, we didn't have Andres on the last two weeks. If you missed it, he was on his honeymoon. He just got married, but he will be back for the next pod. And I might actually be out for the next one because I don't know if I'm going to catch a Leicester game. I'm going to be shit faced in Vegas. So mm. if I'm pulling an all nighter, I'll definitely watch. Um, but other than that, keep the blue flag flying high. <laughs>